This morning we'll be going through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, so turn with me there if you don't mind. And what we'll do, what I'll do to this morning is I'm pretty much going to, we'll read the scripture and we'll pray about it and then we'll, I'm going to cover, I guess, talk to you about the context of it and then we'll cover certain points about authority and we'll talk about authority and um, the purpose of authority and who has authority, and because um, this is a very political section, and so we'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about why we are called to submit to our authority, um, often whether we like it or not. So, um, so let's read the scripture. It says or we're going to start in verses eleven and twelve because I think the first two those two verses really help set up the context of submitting to authority and why we do that. Um, so we'll begin in verse eleven. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit with all fear to your masters. Not only, to, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, mindful of God's will, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are punished, and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return when he, when he was suffering. When he was suffering, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, so that, having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds, for you were like sheep going astray. But you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning and this time we have to come and worship you and serve you and learn more about who you are and your will for our lives. Um, God, I pray that this morning our hearts would be receptive, um, that you would break away any hard parts of our hearts and help us to um, really give the entirety of ourselves to you, Lord. Um, help us to identify places that need, work, uh, need to be worked on, and Lord, help us to be welcoming of your spirit um, to, to help us to grow and to change and to be more like Jesus. Um, we give you all the honor and glory this morning and praise your name uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the context of this section is basically talks about your testimony and how the world sees how you live. Um, so it's really important for us as we dive into this section to keep that as a framework for this whole thing. Um, make sure that you recognize that you know your actions out there 
do have an effect on other people. People are watching you, um, and they're observing how you live your life. And so this is, this is the context of this section. So keep that in mind. Um, something else I wanna, want us to keep in mind as we uh, dive into human authority here, um, God is the ultimate authority. Um, he is the one we look to as supreme and um, almighty. He's the one, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, um, and yeah, we're supposed to submit to human authority, but God is the ultimate authority we submit to. He is the one who, he, he has the authority to weave in and out authorities within our lives, um, he places authority um, in our lives so that we have direction, so that people can guide us and watch over us and, and help lead us into the path that God wants us to go. Um, and he is in control of that. Proverbs 21.1 says, A king's heart is like a stream of water in the Lord's hand. He directs it whichever way he chooses. So God is ultimately sovereign. He is in control. Um, and ultimately, he is in charge of everything going on in the world. Um, we can see through history all the time, like Romans is a really, uh, the, um, the Roman Empire is a really good example of that because God is always using government to move his, use his, um, use as a purpose, use as his purpose, um, to move his purpose. So, for example, like Roman, uh, the Roman Empire had such good roads and things like that so that his gospel could spread and the word could sh- um, be spread when Christianity was just being formed. Um, through Jesus. Um, now, I mean, we have great technology with communication and things like that. So God has always been using government to, I guess, structure the world in a way that he chooses so that His he is glorified and that his purpose is, is met. Uh, met. Um, you can see as we're going through house fellowships in the lives of the Israelites right now, you can see how God has done specific things in their lives and brought in and out kingdoms so that his word can thrive and that he's glorified. Um, So keep that in mind as we go through and discuss more about human authority and government and people in charge of us. Um, So, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of us can look back as, if you've been a believer for a long time, you can look back and think about how God has woven things in and out of your life to get you to where you are today. Um, I know I certainly can look back and think, you know, especially with like relationships and things like that, that I thought they were great. I wanted them. I loved them. And then God took them away and I was heartbroken. Or, you know, as far as a career goes, I thought I wanted this, but that didn't work out. And God obviously was moving me here. So he got me to where I am today. Um, so he is constantly moving pieces around in your life that you can't see to get you to, um, to be the person he wants you to be. Um, so as we know, our choices have consequences. Everything we do affects other people around us. And, you know, it's one thing to say that, you know, one of your friends makes a choice and it affects and may cause drama, makes you sad, make, disappoints you, something like that. Um, but it doesn't necessarily directly influence how you live your life. And we see that those in authority have an amplified effect of the choices that make. So those who are in a cho- authority, when they make a choice, think about how... Um, directly that influences your life. For example, parents. Parents have authority over children and over their kids. And the choices that parents make, you know, whether good or bad, have a direct and solid impact on their children. Um, so you know, if a parent chooses to do something bad, you know, it's going to influence what happens in their kid's life. Um, but this is not just a one-way thing. So this is also a two-way street. What the people under authority the decisions they make also directly impacts those who are their authority. 
Um, so if a you know if you're a kid and you choose to run away from home, that's going to directly impact your parents and your parents' lives. Um, so that's a two-way street. Um, so understand the the connection between authority and those under that authority. It's very important that um, that you know the authority are they're held in a higher standard. Um, so you know. Uh, people who are placed in authority over us are, you know, governing structures, government, specifically in America, um, teachers, parents, elders of a church, those kind of things. People who pretty much are there to influence your life and have direct authority over your life. Uh, people you submit to. That's who you would see as an authority. So ultimately, what is, what is the purpose of authority in our lives? Um, and the ultimate purpose of it is it directs us, it guides us, um, so that we make wise choices and it improves our lives. It's a structure that's meant to provide growth and prosperity. Um, whether that government is instituting safety laws that doesn't allow someone to drive while they're inebriated, um, or you know it's your elder coming to you and seeing that you haven't been to church for the last four Sundays and talking to you about it and seeing what's going on in your life. Um, so ultimately, authority is there to guide us. Um, you know, who, who do we acknowledge as our authorities? That's another question we have to answer. Um, and we can look at scripture for that. Um, if we look at the, the scripture, um, if you look at verse 14, our legitimate authority are those who are meant to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. Um, so... The legitimate authorities are ultimately there for our good. They're for our benefit. Laws and things are there so that the entirety of, so, of society prospers. Um, elders are there so that your spiritual life is full of growth and um, there's accountability there. Because um, often we don't know what's best for our lives. <clears throat> so if we look at that, we can also flip to, um, if we turn to Romans 1, I'm sorry, Romans 13, 1 through 7. It basically says a lot of that. Um, so if you turn there with me real quick, um, we'll read that. and Keep your place on 1 Peter, though. It talks a lot of, it, it speaks to um, the role of authority and government in our lives. Um, it says, verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the gover- governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So basically, that's what we just talked about, how God is um, in control of all authority. He's in control of the world. He's sovereign. Um, He allows things to happen and and doesn't allow some things to happen. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not, and this is where it talks about the purpose of authority, of legitimate authority. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do, not, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. 
So that is a, re- a really good description of why, what a legitimate authority is. Now, there's, there are illegitimate authorities. Um, there are some that we are not called to submit to because of they don't have what's best in mind for you um, or the ultimate of society. So obviously, Hitler was not a legitimate authority that we should follow. Hitler was out for his for personal gain and was kind of a dissolution belief. You know, the, the Nazi movement, the fascist movement, um, you know, was full of torture and, and grief and sadness, and it was not a legitimate authority that we follow. Um, you know, I would say the same as for, a, like, a teacher who takes advantage of their students to give them good grades. Like, that is not a legitimate authority that we submit to. Um, they do not, we don't recognize them as legitimate authority. Um, so we need to make sure we have the difference between a, a tyrant kind of government or kind of person who, who takes advantage of people for their own personal benefit and legitimate authorities who are ultimately the whole purpose of them is to provide structure um, of prosperity and, um, you know, help growth and, and good things come about. Um, so since authority is, is meant to uphold what is good and take away what is bad, um, that's the you know, the role of government is to, we are called to submit to that government, to legitimate authorities. We're called to submit um, to those. And so I want to bring about three reasons why we are really called to submit to government. And I think it's, it's pretty easy for us. I don't think any of us are sitting here thinking it's so hard to, to submit to government. We, we hate them. Um, you know, it's, I don't think we're, anyone's probably sitting there thinking that, but it, it is important to understand why we are supposed to submit to authority. Um, so we'll talk about that. Um, the first one is from the scripture, that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what is good. Um, Matthew five fourteen through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. So ultimately, we must do our best to uphold a testimony that represents our faith, represents Christ, and it doesn't hinder the gospel. Um, So people can see us, they can see our good works, they can see us living a a good life and glorify God and understand that we're doing that and why we're doing that, which we'll get to in a second. Um, So we must constantly be evaluating how we are living our lives. Um, we need to constantly evaluate the choices that we're making in public and the things that we believe. Um, you know, and this even includes, and this is a tough one, I know, but this even includes like our political perspectives and our political standards. Does what you believe politically, does your agenda follow up with what Christ would believe? Does it follow up with what Christ would say? Um, you know, and I hope this is not much of a touchy subject, but I'm going to probably hit it. Um, you know, Something like abortion, you know, does does your promotion of abortion, you know, if you're if you're, um, you know, a pro life is probably what Jesus would be. I mean, he would he or not probably definitely definitely um, wants children to live, and you know, if you're pro abortion, how does that represent your faith? You know, if an unbeliever is you're in a d- discussion with an unbeliever talking about abortion and how you think it's right, and um, you know. <laughs> that believer is going to kind of make that connection. Okay, you're a Christian, and you believe that it's okay to do this. You know, how does that represent your testimony? And what does that make that believer think about the faith? Um, So it's important for us to recognize how our 
lifestyles and the choices we make affect other people and affect how other people view us. Um, Point number two is because we're followers of Jesus, we're symbolically slaves to God. Um, So which that is, it's an interesting um, topic. And one second, let me pull this out. So we read here, as God's slave, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone, love your brother, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Um, it's an odd thing to say that we're slaves to God because we are, you always hear that you've, you've been freed. You've been freed from your sin. Um, so what that means is because if you know Jesus and you know his great love and you've tasted it, you know the call he has put on your life, your lives, and the spirit living within you convicts you to strive to live a life that Christ does. Um, but because we have the freedom to understand, we have the freedom to understand what is good and what is not because we know what God says about it. Because we have the spirit inside of us, we're able to discern what is right and what is wrong um, with the standard of Christ as the standard, not what we believe or what we want. You know, sometimes our beliefs and what we th- think is different from what God says and you know ultimately when that happens who's the number one authority God's the number one authority we submit to that authority and we have to submit to what God says over what we think um, might be right Um, so we're called to live as an example of the freedom available in servitude to Christ Um, and that freedom is is freedom of the joy of joy in hard times it's freedom to show love when all human reasoning says not to um or says to hate, and it gives us freedom to, to love the unrighteous and forgive the sinner. It gives us freedom to understand and love those who stand where we once stood in sin. It gives us the freedom to understand, I guess, the sinner's position and how to lead them to Christ. Um, and the third reason is it's more about how we have that freedom, and we have that freedom because of Jesus. Um, Jesus is the ultimate reason why we have freedom. Um, he lived a sinless life and suffered on the cross and has granted us righteousness on his behalf. Um, it was paid for by Jesus. He bought us from slavery to sin and brought us into righteousness with God, granting us eternal forgiveness and holiness. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough mystery to understand, but this is the third reason why we must live to choose the way Christ lived, why we must submit to authority, is because Christ submitted to authority. Um, you know, the world needs to see Christ in you and me. Um, the world needs to know the good news of Jesus. The world it needs to be free from sin and a slave to Jesus. Uh, you know, this is the third reason why we must submit to authority. Yeah, I talked about this a little earlier, but we're getting, uh, I can talk about it a little more, bit more again. Um, God has always used governing structures as a mobile platform to spread the gospel. Uh, Rome is the obvious example that we talked about, um, but we do live in a different world today. You know, we roads are everywhere, and so we can, it's, you know, we've advanced a lot further than what the Roman Empire was in that time period. Um, so this brings to brings to our attention, you know, we can instantaneously communicate with anyone around the world. It's crazy. Um, I've I've been keeping in touch with my first grade teacher through Facebook, who lives way out in like Kansas, and I mean, it's crazy that you can do that. Now, if you think about it, it's, it's completely wild. Um, so I say that to bring about, you know, what, what are we doing with this opportunity we have to communicate around the world? 
what are we doing with this opportunity um, we have to spread the gospel? You know, we need to seriously think about what we're doing with the opportunity that we have in America to shine the light of Jesus. Um, we're such a privileged, comp- uh, a privileged um, you know, nation. We have so many opportunities, so many good things. There's so many things we don't have to worry about. Like this morning meeting, we don't have to worry about someone kicking in the door and persecuting us. We don't have to worry about being caught. Um, you know, it, for the most part, generally, when you go to school, you don't have to worry about doing something for your teacher in order to get a grade. Um, you don't, we have so many things that we take for granted. So what are we doing with these, these opportunities that we have to share the gospel? What are we doing to spread the love of Christ around the world um, with the opportunities that we have here in America? Um, you know, hopefully that's a little convicting to you. You know, it was to me when I was preparing this. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got to take advantage of, I guess, the blessings God has given us here because we are most certainly a blessed nation. Um, you know, there's always hot political discussion, and I, I would say from studying history that each generation thinks, oh, my goodness, this is the worst nation. Like, this nation's getting worse and getting worse, and things are terrible. Um, and, you know, they may be, but from our perspective, we can only see the amount of time that we've lived on this earth. You know, we don't have the perspective from other um, other generations. So, you know, instead of focusing on this nation is, is getting to be a, something you don't want it to be or it's not what it used to be, focus on what you still have. Focus on the opportunities that you still have here um, to spread the gospel and to change people's lives and to take advantage of that. Um, so we talked about legitimate authorities and illegitimate authorities. Sometimes... We are caught, and, and this is going to be harder for us to relate to because of the opportunities we have in America, because of the freedom we do have here, um, and the laws and things that, um, you know, the governing structure that does provide this, um, I guess, safe environment for the most part. But sometimes we are found in situations where we have to submit to authorities we don't like, to authorities that are not kind to us. Um, you know, this is about the, the slaves submitting to masters. Here, it's kind of a crazy thing to, to talk about, but Jesus calls even slaves to submit to their masters regardless of how they're treated. And maybe to make it more relevant to us today, you know, if you're working for a boss that you can't stand and the boss is, you know, he might have the idea that he's doing what's best for the company, but he makes very terrible choices. He makes really, you know, he's a terrible leader something like that, um, and you're kind of stuck in a bad situation and you can't get out because you need the job. Um, so, you know, this that's more of a, I guess, more applicable situation for us in America. But there are people in the world who, like we said earlier, you know, have to do something for a teacher in order for a grade. And that, you know, well, that's not a good example for this. Erase that. Uh, <laughs> um but there are things, in, uh, you know, people in the world who are persecuted for their faith. There are people who are, are tortured and, um, you know, things happen to them because they believe in Christ. And, um, you know, they're, they're called, we are called to, um, to even do good to those who persecute you. Um, you know, we're called to endure and show kindness um, for the sake of the gospel. We're called to... You know, it says here, household slaves, submit with all fear to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. 
For it brings favor if, mindful of God's will, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is it is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? So basically, if you're disgruntled and unhappy and you resist and you're, you make it really well known that you don't like whoever it is that's causing you suffering, you know, what is the point of all of that? You know, nothing really happens from that. All it does is cause the situation to worsen. But if you do good and you, are, you suffer for it, think about the amount of glory that that brings to God. Think about the testimony that that is to your faith. Um, you know, to, to do good where, in, for all human reasoning, there is no good to be done. Like, it doesn't make sense for you to show kindness and show love to someone who is not showing you that. Um, and that's why, and the reason you do that is because Christ did that in the first place. If you really think about it, um, <laughs> this is, is wild to think about, but when Christ was put on trial and put on the cross, he, you know, Christ is, is God. Like, Christ has the authority of God. Christ submitted himself to our authority. He submitted himself to human authority when he was suffered, when he suffered and was put on the cross. Um, for the sake of our sin, for the sake of redeeming us from a lost, um, you know, from our sin and from our selfishness. Um, you know, we really, we really ought to think about Christ's example and everything that we do, all of our political perspectives, all of our life choices needs to be filtered through the gospel and through what Christ did. Because um, ultimately we want people to, when they look at us, like the, the Matthew verse I read earlier, um, we want people to look at our good works and not glorify us, but look at our good works and glorify God. Um, so I guess in closing, I'd like to you know, read just verse 21 through 25 because this is ultimately the whole purpose of our faith. This is ultimately the whole reason um, this is our testimony is to, to exemplify Christ and to, to show Christ's love to those who we shouldn't show um, or we should show, but it doesn't seem realistic to show them love. Um, so, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He, Christ is the example. We should follow his steps. Um, he did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he reviled, he did not revile it in return. When he was suffering, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. When Christ was suffering, you know, he, he could have stopped all of that, but he trusted God to take care of him. He trusted God to, to make it worth it. He knew that it would be worth it. Um, you know, God is the one who judges, and God is the one who's in total control. So if we talk, remember what we talked about earlier, God is in total control of everything. So even if you're in a situation that is you're suffering or you're discouraged, um, God is in control and he'll take care of you. He's got a purpose in mind and he will see that done. Um, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that, having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds for you are like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You, are, you have been healed by his wounds, for you are like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your good gift of Jesus. Thank you for the love that you showed. Um, thank you for the love Jesus showed on the cross, that we can now live a life and, 
and before we were dead to our sin, Lord, we were living in selfishness and focusing on our on ourselves and really living just to to do what we wanted. But now we are free from our sin for the sake of Christ, Christ's sacrifice. Lord, we're so grateful for the love you've shown for us. Lord, we praise the Son and thank you for removing our sin so that we can be in right relationship with you. Thank you for showing us forgiveness where we shouldn't have been forgiven. And Lord, we're, we're so grateful that you love us still even though we are sinners. Christ died for us and made us holy, and we are considered holy in your eyes, even though we're still sinners at this moment. Lord, we may walk out of this door and sin against you, but you still consider us sanctified. You can still consider us holy on behalf of Jesus. Thank you for that love, and thank you for that unending grace. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this, that we would leave this room this morning, that we would Live a life that pleases you. Live a life like Jesus, Lord. Help us to be committed to the cause of our faith, committed to the cause of our one hope in Jesus. Help us to recognize the importance of of serving you with all of our hearts and in every aspect of our lives, giving it up to you, that we may honor you and bring glory to you so that other people may see us and glorify your name, so that other people may see what we believe, they may see what we say, or hear what we say and see what we do and why we do it and that it may glorify you, God. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And as we go into open time, Lord, we just pray that our hearts would be uh, revealed before you and that we would open open up to you and allow you to do your work inside us. God, you you are good and you are almighty and we trust in the plan that you have for our lives because we know that Though the authorities in charge of us are sinful and they're imperfect, we know that you are perfect and you are in control of them. And that you ultimately, even if it doesn't seem like it, you have control over our lives and you have a purpose for us and you will move us in that way. And you're going to make us into who you want us to be. Lord, help us to submit to you above all. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name.